I smell popcorn. <laughs> Welcome to Patty's Got Your Six Podcast. Say that three times real fast. I'm Patty, your host, along with the co-host, my wife, and the brains up aberration, uh, Kathy. <laughs> Hello. So how are you doing today, Kathy? Well, you know, pretty darn good. You excited about today's guest? I am. It's an old friend. Yes, excited. he is. A dear old friend <coughs> and a former employee. That's right. So uh, I'd like to introduce to our audience, Sergeant Chris Counts. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing well. How are you? Spectacular. Thanks for taking the time out and uh, joining our little podcast here in American Legion 771 in beautiful Gurney, Illinois. No problem. Thank you for having me. So you're a sergeant in the Marine Corps. If you can just tell us a little bit about your career and uh, what you did after you got out of the Corps. Sure. I, uh, I enlisted in 2007 after doing uh, two years at BMI and uh, went through boot camp at Paris Island. Um, the meritorious PFC out of boot camp. Went through um, infantry training battalion. Over at uh, Camp Geiger, and then I was assigned to 1st Battalion, 8th Marine. I went to uh, Charlie Company, 3rd Platoon, and uh, they had just gotten back from Ramadi, Iraq. Uh, so I fell in with them, and we did a workup for about a year and went back to Iraq. Um, I was a Lance Corporal by then and spent that deployment as a stall gunner and uh, turret gunner. Uh, at the time, most of our patrols were mounted um that was kind of the the way it was uh in 2009 uh the war at least the kinetic part of it was uh winding down a little bit so we were just doing kind of security patrols around uh, the air bases out in the anbar province um so i was there for um seven months in 2009 came back and immediately started uh another workup uh, to go to Afghanistan this time. Um, I took over an infantry squad as Lance Corporal and then was meritoriously promoted to Corporal. How old are you at this and time, Chris? Four months later. Um, I enlisted when I was 20. Um, so I was 22, 23 uh, when I got back from Iraq and took over a squad. Uh, and then, like I said, I was promoted to Corporal and then four months later, uh, I was meritoriously promoted to sergeant. Wow, so, impressive. At 23 years old, I was a sergeant running an infantry squad, uh, getting ready to go to Afghanistan. And, um, September 2010, uh, we went to Afghanistan and actually uh, landed at Camp Leatherneck on September 11th. Uh, so that wow. was kind of a, a meaningful day for all of us. Absolutely. Um, especially for me. Uh, having a cousin with a uh, New York firefighter who was killed on 9 11. Oh, boy. Mm. Um, so that, that meant a lot to me landing on that day. Um, I kind of I felt the weight of that and knew what I was there to do. Um, and so did the rest of my squad. Um, we were there for another uh, seven months, and we're there till April of 2011. Um, we were the, the very tail end of the surge into Afghanistan that uh, President Obama had ordered. So we were, um, we fell in in uh, an area called Nauzad, and they split our battalion 
so half of us were in Nauzad and uh, the other half were in a uh, place called Musakala. And uh, we were just there uh, patrolling through the villages, uh, talking to all the, the villages and the, uh, the farmers there, um, trying to push the Taliban out of the valley and keep them out. Um, so we did that. And uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, bring all of my guys home. Um, we lost some friends over there, uh, but I brought my whole squad back. So that's something that I've always kind of held on to Good job. Uh, when the, there you the go. days get a little tough. Um, but I did that, and we got back in April 2011, like I said. And then August 2011, I actually got out early um, so I could go back to school. Uh, so they you. let me out 90 days early, and uh, I took advantage of the GI Bill. Um, Good man. You know, I had, uh, I had signed up for the Montgomery GI Bill when I was in boot camp and, uh, you know, paid my $100 a month for the first year uh, into the Montgomery Bill. But while I was on active duty, they had approved the post-9-11 GI Bill, which oh. I cannot say enough good things about. Uh, I mean, really? they, they pay you to go to school. Yeah. Beautiful. They, uh, they pay, they pay your tuition. Um, you get, uh, BH, so they pay for your rent, um, pay for the books, they pay for everything. And, uh, in Chicago, actually, I was able to go to, uh, Loyola University of Chicago, which is a private university, and they were participants in what's called the Yellow Ribbon Program. Hmm. So, the post nine eleven bill, if I remember correctly, it will pay a hundred percent of tuition up to the uh, the most expensive state school, basically. Outstanding. Um, and then, if a school participates in the yellow ribbon program, um, there's funding to cover the difference. Um, wow. So. For example, if the you know if the most expensive state school tuition in whatever state you're in is twenty thousand dollars, and the university you're going to costs forty thousand dollars a year, the Yellow Ribbon Program will cover that difference. Hmm. So, I was able to uh, get two bachelor's degrees from Loyola University. Good for you. Uh, for free, um, you know, wow. from the from the government. Did you know what you wanted to do when you got out, or were you just I had a good idea. Um, both my parents were FBI agents, uh, so I knew I wanted to do uh, something in federal law enforcement. Um, did your parents know our? Parents know did they know our previous guest, Gary Penrith, FBI agent that we interviewed? They, they do actually. I just Small talked world. to my mother about that over wow. the weekend. I was down in Charlotte visiting them and uh, and asked Small my mom about world. it. She knew him. Uh, pretty well, and uh, we have a very good family friend who's also a retired FBI agent who's a very good friend. Wow. Uh, well, what was, so what's his name? Some, uh, some funny what was his uh, name? Andy Nacero. Yeah. Andy Nacero. Okay, good. I'll have to tell uh, Gary that. What a great guy he is. Just an outstanding guy. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. And a, a small, small world. It is. It really so, is. Um, and before I forget, you're the yeah. first guy... I've met in the Marine Corps that went to the 
Paris Island, 1st Battalion, 8th Marines, Charlie Company, 3rd Platoon, because that's what I was. <laughs> I what, are the odds of, what are the odds of that? Yep, what are the odds? All right, so you're going to school. Yep, so I went to school, and uh, I was trying to figure out you know, what agency I wanted to work for, basically. I knew I wanted to go into federal law enforcement, um, just didn't know which agency. I applied to the FBI. Uh, my parents had worked there and everything. Um, applied to a couple other agencies, uh, but I eventually settled on the Diplomatic Security Service. Um, I've always liked to travel. Um, I was always interested in foreign affairs, international relations, and um, as I looked more into uh, the State Department and specifically the, the Diplomatic Security Service, I just kind of figured that that was the best spot for me. Um, so it took me a couple tries to get in. Uh, the application process is not uh, not the easiest thing in the world. Yeah, I know um, that. I think that you know, makes, makes us all uh, better for it. Mm. Um, so I applied when I was at Loyola and uh, didn't get in. Um, so after I graduated from Loyola back in 2014, um, I still had some uh, time left on my GI Bill. So I ended up going to grad school at Northeastern University in Boston. Wow. And uh, started my master's in intera- international relations there. And uh, I used up the rest of my GI Bill. And uh, right around that time, uh, I eventually got hired by this security. So I got hired out of Boston and started training. And, Where'd uh, you do your training, Quantico? Or? I, uh, no, you have to go down to Georgia. Glencoe? Uh, federal Law Enforcement Training yep. Center down there in Glencoe. Right. Um, and then we had our own training facility at the time was in Winchester, um, Virginia, hmm. about an hour west of D.C. Uh, but that was an interim training facility. We now have uh, our own permanent training facility in Blackstone, Virginia, uh, which is southwest of Richmond. How did you like Glencoe? Um, Glencoe was all right. You know, the, the training down there was pretty good. All of the instructors uh, were very knowledgeable. Um, you know, you get, a, you get all the law classes and learn, you know, what your authorities are and what you'll be responsible for um, taking care of as an agent. Um so, yeah, it was good. And uh, St. Simon's Island was always a good time on the weekend. Go to the beach, <laughs> get some good seafood. Uh, the food down there was great. Uh, so it was good. So what was your uh, your first duty assignment? Uh, first duty assignment was New York, actually. We have, a, we have field offices in some of the major cities uh, around the U.S. So I started in New York and uh, had a great time up there. Worked a lot of criminal investigations. Uh, We investigated passport and visa fraud. uh, So I did that. And uh, did some protection. Uh, So with the UN there, pretty busy with uh, foreign dignitaries coming in and out. Mm -hmm. And uh, worked on uh, Nikki Haley's protection detail when she was ambassador to the UN. No kidding. Um, How is Mrs. Haley? I was able to. She's fantastic. I cannot say enough good things about her. I was a huge fan and still am. Good. Um, very nice uh, and very 
an authentic person. I, you know, she she means what she says. Good. So uh, I had a great time doing that. Um, I was able to go down to Mexico on a temporary assignment, working down on the border at uh, our consulate in Nogales. Had a great time doing that. Now, is that with the USMS? Uh, Is that with the Fugitive Task Force, or no, no? That was just uh, just through the State Department, just working at the consulate, uh, running uh, fraud investigations uh, with our consular affairs. Is our border Um, that bad? Um, I think the. It's bad, but it's maybe not as bad as you might see on the news. Okay. Um, it was a very, very eye-opening experience, very interesting experience. Uh, I think the important thing um, that I learned that you don't often see uh, on the news is that on the other side of the border, uh, the Mexican government, um, and specifically the police, who I worked with a lot, um, they're very committed to changing the perception mm. of law enforcement in Mexico. Um, you know, with all the cartel activity and everything, um, people kind of assume that all Mexican police officers are corrupt, and some of them are, uh, but the vast majority are not. And good they don't like the cartels either. Mm. And they are uh, actively working to change that perception of law enforcement in Mexico, and that was very uh, nice to see. It was very refreshing, and, um, you know, I had the honor of working with some great great cops down there in Mexico, and as well as the military, and uh, they were really pushing hard to, uh, to make their side of the border, um, you know, safe for their own citizens, but to, you know, make our country safe as well. So mm. it's really truly a team effort down there and i think that gets overlooked a lot of the time well that's good to hear so, great to hear yeah so that was a great experience and uh brought up uh the marshals uh, i did about a year on the marshals task force in new york as well um and that was that was really interesting as well you know it was cool to get out and uh you know we'll have to call you we'll have to call you marshall dylan here hey marshall <laughs> You got a big cowboy hat and the spares and big old shiny yeah. badge? Well, they definitely wear the cowboy hats down in Mexico. <laughs> that's for sure. The Rangers, huh? Um, but in New York, it was more uh, New York. It was more Yankees caps and hoodies. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was cool, you know, running around with them and uh, just finding bad guys. Um, but uh, one thing that we brought to the table coming from the State Department was you know, we had all the uh, passport info and visa info for wow. some of these uh, international criminals that were coming into our country and uh, or guys who had been in the U.S., committed a crime, and then fled the country. Uh, the marshals still want them. So we were able to um, use our resources as well as uh, leverage some of the relationships we have with uh, right, Customs and Border Protection to try and track these guys down and we have agents at the embassies and consulates overseas as well so uh, figuring out uh, who we know in certain parts of the world and leveraging those relationships with local police and local military to try and track these guys down and um, 
in a lot of cases, uh, depending on the country, we can get some of those people extradited back to the U.S. to face uh, trial right. for I their crimes. I got to so tell you, was, uh, really I got to tell you a quick uh, story. I was my first duty station was the embassy in Amman, Jordan, and there was a terrorist, Fawaz okay. Yonis, and uh, it was oh three hundred in the morning. I get I'm at post one. Six people come in, two women. And four gentlemen and give me their passports. They were uh, American, FBI, and some from the Justice Department. It was just, I'm going, what's the FBI doing overseas in Oman, Jordan? And it all right. came about because of the Comprehensive Crime Control Act of 1984. But I wasn't aware of it at the time. So every embassy has a bubble where you go up and you discuss um, top secret stuff, whatever. It's really pretty bizarre. It's just a, a glass room. It's like state-of-the-art back then. And they briefed us on what they were going to do. So what they did, this this Fawaz Jonas, he's the one who threw the Navy gentleman off the airplane. They beat him after death and then tossed him off the plane on the runway. And they hijacked the plane out of, uh, I believe it was Lebanon. So what these okay. FBI agents yeah. did was, it was, I think it was called Operation Goldenrod. You can Google it. I'm sure there's something out there on it. What they did, the two women were on a sailboat, and this Fawaz Jonas was out partying with these other guys the night before, and they got him to get on the sailboat. They handcuffed him. I think they put him on the uh, the boot um, ship. I think that was the name of it. And then they got him on the aircraft carrier USS Saratoga, and they flew him back in a Navy Viking S3 jet. And he was arraigned in Washington, D.C., 13 hours later and all hell broke wow. out because, you know, they, uh, they said they kidnapped a Lebanese citizen and all that stuff. But it, it was quite interesting how they operated and just knowing that the FBI was actually doing something about that. I, I found it outstanding, but yeah, that's my experience yeah, with the FBI absolutely. and embassies. So I, so who yep. else did you protect? No, uh, any famous? Uh, well, the past uh, two years, I was actually assigned to the Secretary of State's detail in D.C. So I started working for uh, former Secretary Pompeo. No and kidding. And uh, I picked up Secretary Blinken after he was confirmed. Wow. Um, so I spent uh, two years doing that, traveling all over the world, racking up uh, airline, airline miles. <laughs> and, uh, had a great time doing it. Um, Got to see a lot of the world, um, and it was uh, it was interesting, and it was uh, you know it was an honor to be close to both of those men and just see how they work and uh, see what their job entails. You know, it's not easy. Uh, they, you got that right. Uh, yeah. They definitely get a a raw deal in the press sometimes, but uh, both of them very hardworking men, very smart men. Sure. And. Uh, it was an honor to, to be a part of that. We always said um, one experience was with um, Secretary of State at the time was George Schultz, and he uh, he was a Marine yep. also. Uh, amazing guy, and their detail was outstanding. They had the advanced team, and then, but just outstanding group of guys, and they loved the Marines, and they took care of us uh, extremely well. A bunch of good guys. That's my experience with them. So are you in some famous pictures? <laughs> like... 
when you're we're protecting all these famous people, or can yeah. we find you on in their <laughs> pictures? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got a lot of good stories, uh, a lot of good oh, yeah. experiences, and uh, worked with some some great people. It's a great team. Uh, in the past, almost past year, I've just been in training. Uh, in about two weeks, I'll be headed over to the embassy in Serbia. No uh, I'll kidding. Be the assistant regional security officer there. Wow. Uh, for the next two years. Beautiful so, country in uh, <laughs> former Yugoslavia. You're going to be the assistant RSO. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yep, I'm very excited. Uh, looking forward to it. Um, and I'm mostly just excited to go back to work. Good for you. Uh, I got off the secretary detail last July, so I haven't actually um, been able to get out and do the job in, uh, in over a year now. Just been in training and with COVID and everything, uh, you know, language training and yeah, a lot yeah. of our overseas training uh, was virtual. So, And how long is your tour? Still good, but uh, two years. There you go. Good for you. And then they're just uh, grooming you to become a, an RSO. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. I got to gotta pay my dues first and uh, sure, like anything. learn the job overseas. This will be my first official uh, overseas posting. So Good. it's uh, it's much different overseas than it is uh, domestically. Sure. I'll Your tell you what. Authority uh, changes, right. job changes. A regional security officer is critical in any embassy or consulate around the world. They're critical. They're the main guy, Absolutely. and they got to be spot on, and, and they got to know the game. Boy, the guys we had were outstanding. I actually had a uh, a woman RSO. She was outstanding, and that was in uh, Jerusalem. And she did the consulate in Jerusalem and the embassy in Tel Aviv, and just uh, she was very good at what she did. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's an important job, and uh, like you said, uh, we're – we're there to provide that uh, safe environment for the uh, the rest of the embassy community, the rest of the diplomats to do their job. You got that uh, right. Some of these countries uh, have some pretty serious security concerns, so we have to make them feel comfortable uh, going out and doing their job, and, uh, you know, keeping our actual building safe, um, and then keeping all of our people safe as well, um, as well as any. Uh, American citizen who might be just traveling through the country or visiting the country, um, we're responsible for all of them. Uh, I know that I take it very seriously, and everyone I work with takes it very seriously. You have so, to, absolutely. Um, it is important, like you said, so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting over there and getting the lay of the land and uh, getting to work. Well, everybody but, uh, in Chicago's been asking for you, I tell you that much. He said, uh, Young Chris is coming on the show. I miss so, Chicago. Oh, they loved you. Everybody loved I, you. Yeah, we failed to I mention Chicago. There was there was a little detour between uh, Loyola University and Northeastern in Boston, and that was uh, your time working at Patio Fagans, right? <laughs> we yeah. forgot to talk about That's that. That's right. That's right. That's how we met Young Chris. Well, I was working. You've always been a fan. I was working at Patty's while I was uh, while I was in school at Loyola. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So you wanted to get the job done, you did. We're damn proud of you. I tell you that much, Chris. So um, I appreciate it. I realize you're still working, <laughs> but have you joined or thought of joining any of the veteran organizations like the American Legion, where we're Absolutely. hosting from right now? I'm uh, I'm a card carrying member of the Legion, actually. Okay. Very good. Which uh, one? 
my uh, I have to look at the card. My grandfather's a uh, World War II vet, and he was uh, pretty high up in the Legion down in Florida. Uh, very active with them, and uh, wow! I, uh, I have my card. He he signed me up way back when, and uh, been a member ever since. Good so for you. Put the card somewhere. I'll have to find the number, but uh, yeah, the Legion's great, great organization, and they actually handled uh, all my VA claims when I got out. You know, yeah, they're they're a great organization. So, yes. So hey, can you get your grandfather yeah. on our show or what? <laughs> Uh, he passed away a few years oh, ago, I'm so sorry, that might yeah. be difficult. Yeah, well, but, uh, a lot of the World Tour, World War II vets there. Uh, there, there's not many left. That's yeah, for sure. there's uh, there's not many left, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm a member of the Legion. Good um, for you. And there are there are a lot of great groups out there, not just the Legion, but uh, you know VFW and Marine Corps League, which I'm going to Tuesday night. Yeah. Yep, Marine Corps League, big. Um, there are a lot of veterans um, in the State Department. A lot of Marines, obviously, because of the MSG program. Yes, absolutely. Um, but just a lot of veterans in general. And most of us, uh, we, we swap notes all the time on different organizations and good. how to get your claims processed and everything. And Very good. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot out there for veterans, especially guys getting out now. Um, mm-hmm. The... The money's there. The resources are there. Um, you just got to get out there and find it. Yep, um, and I can't say enough about the, the GI Bill. Um, you know, if people are getting out and don't really know what they want to do, just go to school. Right. You, know, you can even go to a community college, take your general courses until you figure out what you want to do. Um, they'll pay for trade schools now. Oh, really? Um, I want to say uh, – I want to say they'll pay for flight school as well. And I know uh, a few guys that I went through training with through the State Department still had time left uh, on the GI Bill, and they were actually able to use it during training. Um, so training for this job counts huh. uh, for the GI Bill. So they were able to get, you know, their rent paid for and, uh, you know, wow. here, whatever they needed uh, for this job, they were able to get that covered under the GI Bill. That's incredible. And yeah, and once you use up the GI Bill, um, there's a program called uh, Vocational Rehabilitation. You know, if you're in one career, you want to switch careers, and you need to go back to school to do it, um, as long as you can make a, a good argument for why uh, the VA should pay for it, uh, most of the time they will. Um, Very good. So, the resources are there. You just got to find it. There you go. And again, Chris, we're, we're damn proud of you. Thank you for the education and helping out your fellow veterans here. And uh, hopefully we can get you back. We'll get a comm truck or whatever. And uh, we'll hook up with you in Serbia and we'll have you on again. <laughs> Congratulations, my Absolutely. friend. Really good. God bless and oh, safe journeys, so buddy. Much. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. I'll Thanks, talk sir. to you soon. You okay, take care. Bye-bye. All right.